Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us for these family Bible studies in the Gospel of Luke. And today we're in chapter eight, starting in verse four, and we're going to be learning about Jesus's parable of the sower. And I have a little bit of an extended title for this parable, the parable of the sower, the seed, and the soils, because it all goes together. The one sowing, the seed that gets sown, and the soils in which it lands. And I'd just like to preface this. I was just contacted this week by a father who mentioned he's actually with a group of families that have met for hours trying to figure out why some children seem to respond to the faith, others don't, others fall away, some stay faithful. And there's a mystery to all of that, clearly, but this parable begins to get us underneath the veil, so to speak, by what goes on in reaction to hearing the words of Jesus. But let's read those words. Luke 8, when a great crowd came together and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trodden underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said this, he called out, he who has ears, let him hear. And when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. And then Jesus goes on in the following verses to interpret this parable, which I'll use those verses to try to illumine what is going on here. First of all, the sower is Jesus himself. But remember, Luke and Acts are two parts of a single story, so to speak. So in Acts, it will be his apostles who are the sowers. And we read of some very dramatic results of the apostles sharing the seed, which is the word of God, the good news of the kingdom, and having extraordinary results. And the seed is the good news of the kingdom, the word of God, but remember the word of God isn't uh, abstract moral principles. It's essentially focusing on Jesus. Somebody who properly understands what the entire Bible is about will probably be talking about Jesus quite a bit because that's what the Bible is about, okay? And then you have the four soils. So the sower is the same, the seed is the same, but what's different is the reception the seed receives by the four different types of soils. And it's still a mystery, but part of the mystery is why some do and others do not respond to the gospel. Now, the first soil where the seed fell on the path, and as you know, you, 
you know, you walk through a pasture or you walk along a mountain trail where people have walked frequently, and it's a, it's a well-worn path and the soil becomes compacted. So the sower back in these days would just take a handful of seed and, and broadcast it with his hand, and that seed would land everywhere, including some seed would land on this hard soil. And as a result, it wouldn't find its way into the soil to bear any fruit, and it just hung around providing food for birds to come, get the seed, and take off. So what is this? Well, it's obviously the hard soil is indicative of that hard heart. It's not just hearing the Word of God, but, you know, you have to be receptive to it. And you can see people, I've seen this, particularly when teaching the Bible or maybe doing some evangelistic project among young people or in a prison. Some people appear, you know, very receptive and others look like, I dare you to penetrate one quarter of an inch into my heart, you know, and and as a result, it doesn't go there. But also, those who have... um, what I call an empty profession. Uh, as Isaiah says, people drawing near to God with their mouth, but, and, but their hearts are so far from God. So, you know, that's a hard heart, and the seed isn't going to do anything. The second soil that the seed fell on, it says fell on rock, and this is the only one really that needs an explanation for somebody living um, outside of Israel, in that it's not saying that the seed literally fell on exposed rock. In Israel, it's very common for a limestone layer uh, near to the surface of the soil. And what happens is that when the seed falls in one of these areas, the seeds actually germinate first. They have an explosive growth because the sun will warm that soil sooner than the other soil, so it sprouts up quicker. And it has all the appearance of being whoopie-doo. You know, this this one's really going someplace. And, and Jesus explains, well, when the seed hits this soil, you know, they receive it with joy. There's an exuberance and everything else. But when it gets a little warmer... And when trouble comes, or trials, or sadness, or financial reversals, or death in the family, or persecutions, because those things all happen in this world, when things get hot, well, instead of trusting God, you start blaming God, and the sun beats down on that, and because the limestone layer is there underneath the soil— the roots can't penetrate deep enough to be able to pull moisture when you really need it, when the heat's there, and they wither and die. And, you know, people have applied this to a superficial faith, and that's that's what it is. Um, and I believe there's a twofold superficial faith, and a lot of people know that some types of Christians, and they're both in Protestant and Catholic circles, are very emotional and exuberant about their faith. And, you know, God gave us emotions. And if you can cheer for a Clemson football game, why can't you have emotions for God? So emotions aren't bad. 
But if that's all there is, in other words, that's as deep as it gets, is kind of like emotional reaction. And some people uh, criticize the Pentecostals or the Charismatics for this. Now, I went to Assemblies of God College. Yes, I saw some of that, but I also saw some seed go really deep. Besides the emotional reaction, it was falling on good soil. So you just can't say, but you need to be careful that that seed goes deep enough so that it has a root to be pulled on so that it's not just a feel-good or I came to Jesus to solve my problems. Well, what happens? You get more problems. Do you fall away from Jesus then? No, you stay with them. So a superficial emotional reaction to the seed is not good. But now I'm going to really rock the boat here for a moment. Many religious intellectuals have a superficial faith thinking that if they just avoid emotionalism and develop their intellectual approach to the faith, that they will excel. And actually, God gave us our intellect just as he gave us our emotions. We are to use both in our various courses of life, but it's the heart which is the key for that deeper knowledge of God. And by the heart, I am not talking about the emotions. And I've said this several times, but I'm going to say it again because people fundamentally don't get this. The part of the anatomy for the emotions in the Bible, in the Greek language, the original language of the New Testament, is not the heart. It's the gut or the bowels. That's where it said the emotions. For the intellect, it's the head. For the deepest part of the human person, the will and the source of knowledge, that is the heart, okay? And again, people wonder why they give uh, very advanced intellectual training to their children, and by people who are very bright and intellectually oriented, but don't realize that the formation to be lasting, okay, Beyond the superficial reaction, it has to go deeper than the emotions. It has to go deeper than simply the intellect and it has to pierce the heart. I'm just going to give you um, one scripture. It's Ephesians chapter 1. St. Paul prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, after Jesus got done talking about this parable, he talked about, you know, some people this is going to be revealed to and others not. So we need a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. The eyes of your heart enlightened. Um this is so critical because we're wondering with all of the intellectual formation of years of education and yet so many fall away, it's because it hasn't penetrated the heart. An intellectual formation is tremendous. Don't get me wrong. I love to study, love to read. Um, I love Jesus with my mind. I love Jesus with my emotions. But fundamentally, you and I need to love Jesus with the depths of our being, and that is our heart. I have a um, free handout I've offered in the past. I'm going to offer it again. They are scripture verses for knowing God from the heart. Ephesians 1 just happens to be the first 
set of verses on there. And it's absolutely free. Just send an email to askthehost at gmail.com, askthehost at gmail.com, and you're going to get three pages of knowing God from the heart. This is called epistemology, and this is the deepest, 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 really, study of anything, because how do we know what we know? And a lot of people think they're knowing God with their simply their intellect, and there's more to the point, and we want to keep our kids from falling away from a superficial faith. All right. And and I just need to mention, perhaps the brightest man, and I'm not overestimating here, in Europe is Pope Benedict XVI, and this is what he said, the organ for seeing God is the heart. The intellect is not enough. Okay? And the Catechism goes on to say, if the Scriptures are not to remain a dead letter, Christ must, through the Holy Spirit, open our minds to understand the Scriptures. Okay? So, uh, a prayer that I like to pray is the prayer of St. John Chrysostom that he prayed before reading the Scriptures. O Lord Jesus Christ, open the eyes of my heart that I may hear thy word and understand and do thy will. And if that's too much, just, dear Jesus, open the eyes of my heart as I read your word. Amen. And watch out. Some big, profound, deep, and wonderful changes could come to your life. All right, the third soil is a good old American culture. Uh, It fell among thorns, and cares, riches, and pleasures of life just choked it out. And just weeds can choke out good plants and good things. And I'm kind of lighthearted about this because of nervousness. I don't think I'm immune as a middle-class American, I would be delusional to think I'm immune from these thorns which are choking out the good seed. And I'm saying universally um, the American way of life is endangering our response to the gospel message. Um, So few of us, put myself right in there with everybody else listening to me, are really immune from the constant bombardment of advertisements and allure that we need all of this stuff. And then they invented the credit for everything and credit cards for everything. And so we can go buy stuff we don't even have money for because we just need more and more and more. And, you know, um, I've been involved in, in Catholic fatherhood and men's ministries for s- several years. And, you know, we had our largest conference, I think it was, I don't know, a little over a thousand men, maybe, you know, a little more than that. But um, I have in my office a copy of a photograph from, let's see, when was it? 1930, Forbes Field in Pittsburgh. And there were 110,000 Catholic men holding candles in Eucharistic adoration. The entire bleachers filled with Catholic men. The entire field of play was filled with Catholic men in Eucharistic adoration. A hundred and ten thousand men. You know when that was? 1930, in the depths of the Great Depression. Why does it take something so gut-wrenching as a Great Depression to allow the sea to go someplace deeper, 
so that we truly respond and bear fruit in our lives and our families to the Word of God. Okay, the fourth soil, hearing the Word and holding it fast, uh, just having a good heart. And you know, only God would do something like this, because first of all, probably the most intelligent person that ever walked the earth was Jesus Christ. Do you ever think about that? And we think of an intelligent person who says something about religion in a very complicated way, and we go, ooh, wow, that was wonderful. I didn't understand a thing he said, but that was truly wonderful. Versus Jesus coming along, and he talks about, you know, throwing some seed, um, and it hits different kinds of soils, and this and that happens. And this was part of a prophecy, because who in the world would have thought a blue-collar fisherman would be responsible for the explosive growth. It wasn't a hundredfold. It was like many thousandfold because Peter, who was here with Jesus, heard the word, and he was so attracted to Jesus. Now listen to this. He left his business on the spot have you, can you conceive of yourself? I mean, I don't know, whatever business, if you're listening to me right now or your job you've trained for, let's just say you've built up a business. He had a fishing business. He had a boat. He was working with his friends and family members, and he met Jesus, and he was so captured by Jesus. And the point of the Word of God is Jesus. It's to in- introduce us to Jesus, and he left. That's good soil. What happens? This guy who had never been to seminary, a fisherman. Can you imagine, like, you know, let's have a Catholic conference, and who's our speaker? Well, it's Peter. He graduated from Gloucester, Massachusetts High School in the middle of his class. He worked for 20 years catching fish uh, off the North Shore in Massachusetts, and he's here now to tell us about the greatest thing we could ever know about. And when he speaks, 3,000 people are converted the first time he opens his mouth because he is now the sower that Jesus left behind. You see how powerful this is? And um, there were religious leaders, and the religious leaders of Jesus's day were probably that hard path where the sea didn't even penetrate. Imagine the Magi coming into Jerusalem. These are guys like from a foreign country hustled all the way over and says, you know, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? Of course, they look at, oh, it's in Bethlehem, just 11 miles away. They're sitting on their rears while these pagan foreigners, astrologers, go and find the child Jesus. These guys are numb, even though they could read Hebrew hanging upside down from a pole. Do you see what this is? This is the type of soil we become and, and receptiveness to the Word of God. And you know, you go in the book of Acts, it's an incredibly abundant yield. And these were the people who the seed was bearing fruit in. We read in Acts chapter 6, and the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Acts 12, 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Well, you know, it was the word of God was the seed, but the seed doesn't do any good just hanging in midair. 
And the seed doesn't go do any good just with a sower. It has to have the soils. And a lot of even religious people weren't responding to the seed in the book of Acts, but multitudes did. So I want to bring this back, or forward, I should say, to the 21st century. And I've repeated, and you're going to hear me repeat this um, probably to my dying day, the question for Catholic parents of the 21st century is this. How can we raise our children in such a way so that they will not fall away in their late teen years and young adulthood? Right now, the majority of Catholic youth are doing just that, falling away. And how can we stem that? Now, what I am going to be sharing with you today is a part of that. I mean, this isn't a simple thing, um, that just one thing and done, you're going to hear a 30-minute broadcast and it'll it'll all be over. The reason I keep repeating it, because I want to come at this different ways. But what I am talking about today is a principal way that can contribute to the success of raising children in the 21st century and catechizing them in parishes in the 21st century so that they last. I, I can't understand why the somebody hasn't pulled the fire alarm and saying there is a major problem going on in the Catholic Church. No, we're doing everything just like we've always done, and oh, yeah, we're losing um, 60% going up to two-thirds before long? Nope, just keep doing it the way we're doing it. I find that so totally unacceptable, and I know parents do. So here we go. The question is, how can a young man in the 21st century keep himself pure in our deranged culture? Well, do you know that question, or at least a slightly modified version of it, is a question asked right in the Bible? It's Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is a psalm devoted to the greatness of the Word of God, and it just so happens to be the longest chapter in the Bible. Now, just for those of you who are like me and maybe kind of slow to pick up on things, the longest chapter in the Bible devoted to the greatness of the Word of God, maybe we should be paying attention to what it says about the Word of God. Verse 9 of Psalm 119 says this, How can a young man keep his way pure? It's obviously a major, major, major concern in the 21st century while young people are abandoning the faith. And part of that verse says this, By guarding it according to thy word. To guard the heart because the heart where the heart goes. And I'm not talking about the emotions. I'm talking about the deepest part of the person, the will. And if the seed can penetrate that, then you've got a fighting chance in today's world. Otherwise, I'm sorry. Uh, It's just so overwhelming. It's coming at you from every which direction, from social media, the media, the music, your friends, everything. You have to have something that's more powerful than that at the deepest part of your being. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to thy word. 
But you say, Steve, you're just pulling that out of the Bible. Yes, I did pull it out of the Bible. The longest chapter of the Bible, talking about the Word of God and how wonderful and important it is. And this is what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says about the same topic. This is from section 131. And such is the force and power of the Word of God that it can serve the church as her support and vigor, and the children of the church as strength for their faith. If there's ever a moment in the history of the Catholic Church where young people needed strength for their faith, it's today, today, and where the force and the power of the Word of God, this is the key ingredient that young people need. Here's another section, section 104. In sacred scripture, the church constantly finds her nourishment and her strength. Nourishment and strength in Catholic scripture. Now, Catholic parents are losing their kids to the culture and want to know what to do about it. Well, you want to get them grounded in the Word of God. You know, I happen to know a fifth grader who's been going just for a few years to an evangelical school, and I also have visited Catholic schools, including award-winning Catholic high schools. And I would dare say the evangelical boy who's a fifth grader knows at least four times more Scripture than seniors in an award-winning Catholic high school. Mm. You know, the Scriptures were gifted to the Protestants by the Catholic Church. They wouldn't have them. They wouldn't be preserved if one for the Catholic Church. And this is something the Catechism says, this is where we get our strength, and we're saying, uh, you know, we're not taking it in. And it starts with the parents. If you want kids to do something, it starts with the parents. And it's interesting that right after Jesus gets done with the parable of the sower, chapter 8 of Luke, he goes on about no one after lighting a lamp covers it, nor puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. And the parallel to this in the Gospel of Matthew, it says that light gives light to all in the house. In other words, as Psalm 119, remember we've heard that before, longest chapter in the Bible about the Word of God, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Parents, you put the word in the good soil deep within. It'll provide light to all in the house, your children. And we're not naturally drawn to this type of light, and they'll want to be like you. I would recommend starting with a New Testament and just spending a few minutes a day beginning with a simple prayer. Lord, open the eyes of my heart so that I may understand your word. It gives light to all in the house. I'm your host, Steve Wood, and you've been listening to episode 240 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net. To order a CD copy of today's broadcast, order online at www.familylifecenter.net.